and welcome to HCS Weekly, your weekly destination for all things HCS. We got everything, guys. We got news. We got highlights. We've got drama. We've got behind-the-scenes personalities from everybody in Halo that you're excited about. And you might have noticed things are a little bit different this time around. T-Squared, unfortunately, couldn't make it. He has been replaced by a slightly less handsome individual. But I will do my best, guys, to carry the torch across. And today's episode is going to be great because we have HCS London. HCS London is just finished, and I get the good opportunity to talk to Wonder Boy, who spent the entire time watching everything. He's seen everything possible because he's the observer. Let's bring Wonder Boy on and see what he has to say. Yo, there Alex, go. how's it going? <laughs> good, man, good. Just trying to find my way through that that interview with him. Enough hype to kick <laughs> things off here, but uh, man, so how are you feeling? You just came off of HCS London. You were observing the matches. Are you experiencing HCS withdrawal? I know I popped into your stream earlier today. How are things going, man? Things are going well, man. Um, it's like you say, I've kind of experienced a little bit of HCS withdrawal right now. I, as soon as I got home, the first thing I did was hopped on Halo 5, fired up my stream and started playing. Uh, yeah, um, my voice is surprisingly a little bit weak. Uh, I know I wasn't casting the whole weekend, but I always forget when I'm observing like how much communication actually goes into it, working with a secondary observer as well. So my voice a little bit fragile right now, especially with streaming earlier as well. But uh, yeah, other than that, man, I'm good. I can't wait to uh, talk about some Halo right now. I'm ready. Okay, first though, you have to tell me more about this whole observing thing, because I'll be watching the tournament, and I'm watching these POVs, and all this crazy stuff is going down, and then all of a sudden you're switching it to a third-person perspective. I can see people running it in with the flag, I can see a top-down view of Refuge CTF, which is so sick. How are you doing this? What's happening? I, I guarantee you're not just like sitting on theater mode and making this work on the fly. You definitely have like a control panel going. Like, how does this work? <clears throat> yeah, so essentially... I always talk about it as I have the best seat in the house to watch Halo because I have yeah. all eight players' points of view in front of me. I have four from red team, four from blue team, and I essentially press buttons on a keypad to determine which point of view we go to. Okay. Um, that's the simple version of it. I'm looking at a lot of different things, you know, in terms of who to jump on with and when, mainly the kill feed yeah. to see, make sure we catch the tail end of any sweet multi kills. Uh, the other part of my job, the top-down views, the cinematic stuff that you guys see, is I'm actually working with a secondary observer as well, who is in the lobby in observer mode, but is their main job is to fly around the map in, in free cam, capture the stuff in, in a third-person fly cam perspective, whether it be top-downs on refuge, highlighting stuff like we saw me and uh, Shirzy One, who was the observer with me in London, highlight the shotgun uh, during a reciprocity list. That was sitting because... there and nobody picked it up. Right. Yeah, because Ogre 2 was like, haven't seen Shoddy in a while, it might be up. So I figured <laughs> all I had to do was communicate to Shirzy 1, like, hey, why don't we get a fly cam over in Yard, see if the shotgun's up, see if it's there. So I then have another button on my panel which can cut to the Observer Xbox's feed, which is what gets you guys all those uh, all those cool kind of uh, cinematic views and stuff. So it's a little complicated, I won't lie. I'm, I'm working every single series all weekend long, but the Gfinity production crew was so fun to work with. Those guys always know how to have a laugh. They put on a great show. So uh, it didn't feel like work, to be honest with you. It, it was a little exhausting, but I got to see every single kill as it happens. So uh, yeah, it's a fun job. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fun, but I, I can only imagine that's kind of crazy, though, especially with Halo 5. Like, it's so fast-paced, so you have no time. Like, I can only imagine the person with that observer camera is just constantly flying around thinking of the next location, and you guys got to, you know, communicate back and forth. So I, I'd say it's no surprise that you lost a bit of your voice in the process, but I'm glad you had a good time, man. 
Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I wish that you were casting and I know there's so many people who wish you were casting as well. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that as well, but let's, let's try to dive in a little bit into the actual event itself, HCS London. I know I want to talk about grand finals. I'd love to also talk about just the venue, the experience being there, the audience, what's it like, you know, have, actually having a, an event in London instead of, you know, having to travel all the way over to NA. Uh, we've had events in London in the past, obviously, you know, they've, they've put on like this, uh, though, world championship yeah. qualifiers, but uh, of this scale, like you're saying, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it was kind of surreal having worked so many events in that arena to see the best of the best there. Uh, they made it look like they were at home, to be honest with you. I mean, we all, we've all seen the Gfinity arena. The stage is absolutely gorgeous. The lighting, the desks, everything is perfect yeah. to have uh, a top level scene like that, have the top level gameplay to match was uh it was just an amazing show to watch like in between games i find myself just kind of leaning back just like ah this show is amazing Taking it all oh, wait, in. i've got to i got to observe some povs <laughs> right now hold on I, I had no idea what, what yeah. was happening so uh, yeah yeah it, it was a surreal experience to have those guys over there um and what an event it was as well so many upsets so many crazy game yeah. fives so many amazing yeah. series yeah, man. I, and I, I got to say, I love your audience, too. Just that that warm up, like when the game starts and like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you, you remember when like, they, they read that was. <laughs> the funny thing was that whole thing was happening. I have a story to tell about this, by the way. Yeah. The reason that they were making that noise is because in the Gfinity Arena, what you guys don't see is that there's a big projector screen that show that slowly kind of pans down from the ceiling. Yeah, right, right. They were making that noise because um, a couple of the games I was in charge of turning the projector screen on it would slowly come down but no video was shown on it because i didn't press the button on my board um so oh, no. sometimes the guys in the audience had to watch uh, the led screens as opposed to the projector screen because of i was focusing on the game instead of the projector but uh yeah that's why they were making that noise to see if the uh to see if the projector would come on and uh luckily that kind of noise reminded me <laughs> to turn it on every time <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that actually added to my experience as a viewer. I had no idea that was a thing, but it, it honestly seemed like a hype way to kick off the matches, too. It just worked out. There was also one guy in the audience, like a Splice, I don't want to say like a Splice hater, but there was this one guy in the audience who every time Splice messed up versus Tox, he'd be like, ha-ha! Like, he'd just yell, ha, -ha and it would come right through. And I'd be so shook if I was Splice in that instance where this guy's like, like, Eco messed up a flag run, and he just laughed at him out in the outside in the audience, but... uh Either way, let's talk about that grand finals a bit, though, because that was that was insane. Like Splice was on a tear coming back through the losers bracket. They 4-0 talks and we've seen it before. We've seen them 4-0 talks twice in a row and destroy them. And that's kind of, to be honest, that's kind of what I expected after that first set. But things completely flipped around. What happened? You know, what what was it that that really tipped the scales? This event was a real weird one for Splice, in yeah. my opinion, because when they played Reciprocity and they were 2-0 up, it was like, oh, Splice just doing Splice things, they're back to their best. And then ever since after that, Game 3 versus Reciprocity, they just kind of didn't really look themselves anymore. Like, I was watching mm. their POVs, and I, I'm so used to watching Stellar and Eco off stream. Like, often we'll cut to one of them in the middle of a double kill or a triple kill, and so many of those impact plays that they usually bring to the bring to the board weren't being made, especially Renegade. I think this event didn't play as well as that they potentially could have, but all was mm. fine. You know, they made the loser's bracket run, they defeated, you know, the teams that they needed to to get to the grand finals, and it's like, hey, yeah. you're 4-0 Tox in the first best of seven. This is just Splice doing Splice things. And then, and then similarly, it felt like they fell off again. It seemed like Renegade and Shotzi just weren't making those high-octane plays that they usually do, and 
I take nothing away from Tox because they played fantastically in that second second best of seven. But I think mm. this is the first event we've really seen Frosty come back to that kind of superstar game-changing yeah. level player yeah. like we saw in, in that game four of the second best of seven to, to close the whole thing out. I mean, <laughs> we saw it, it, in the preview of this whole show, like the top five plays, the, the number one play was the final game yeah. and it was just Frosty yeah. just hitting insane shots. Like we were talking about it before we came on air and he was just hitting yeah. crazy stuff. He created a montage on one map, basically. Like he got so many insane headshots. It was, it was honestly like, like I was saying, it was mouse and keyboard level plays. I've never seen Stipes so accurate and so quick like that. Even like Royal Two, Lethal pulled off a couple, but Frosty really stole the thunder at the end of that series. I know it was, you know, the whole team that that collaborated and you know made that happen. It, it was interesting though. I agree with you that Splice uh, on Saturday, and I know Splice has this like they warm up as the days go by, and they're like Sunday Splice is like a totally different Splice. But uh, Reciprocity beating Splice on Saturday. I actually kind of had hoped Reciprocity was going to win. Like they they had so much momentum. I you know I was really feeling Snipe Down Squad. I, I was you know thinking about the possibility of them making it the way through, and then it just it felt like I guess Talks beating them. They they fell apart, and they just couldn't do the same thing with Splice anymore. I, I don't know if they were demotiv or demotivated. Their morale was shook, something like that. But Splice came back so much harder. And uh, and interesting about Renegade too. I I, I rec like I recognize that as well. I feel like Renegade did all right. Shotzi didn't make as many standout plays as I remember Shotzi making Frosty definitely I think took the spotlight at the very end for sure yeah but yeah a lot of different areas there yeah in terms of the reciprocity result beating Splice in my opinion I I think that mm -hmm. reverse sweep against Splice they got on the Saturday will do them heaps of good because there's one thing that that squad was missing and it was belief and now that they have mm -hmm. a belief that they can beat the toxes they can beat the splices albeit they only yeah. beat one of them this event now they have that yeah. in their locker because think of previously their last top three placing was in columbus and mm -hmm. uh it, like it just to me didn't seem like that squad had a, a belief that they could you know go past that top three barrier uh, again mm -hmm. They didn't this event, but now that they have that kind of best of five win against Splice, it's not a best of seven, but it's still a win in a tournament. The world yeah. champions, that's a, that's going to be a good feeling for them. You know, like the belief is is there now. They just need to kind of keep grinding out and make sure their tournament experience is, is building up. I think they're primed and ready to have a really big tournament, but it's just about whether or not they can get it done on the day. That's actually a great point. So just basically reciprocity, you know, they might have come in third place, but they, they did kind of break a threshold, I guess, beating Splice. Like now they know that they can take on anybody. And if they can use that, you know, as a precedent for Atlanta, then hopefully that allows them to stay confident throughout the entire event, knowing that they're capable of taking out all of these teams when they're playing at their best. So that's actually a really good point. Um, but as far as like Splice versus Talks, though, I remember in the interview following Splice versus Talks, Lethal, they, they put the mic on Lethal and he said, uh, in the first set, those weren't our game types we don't we don't like those game types it's the second set where we had game types that we like so then we bodied them so i actually like took a second to to take a look at the first two sets um and let's see what you think as well because set one was truth flag which splice is amazing in truth flag pretty much amazing. any of the flag game types they have they've locked down the flag game types uh plaza slayer rig strongholds and eden oddball which Eden Oddball, I feel like was the weird one because it's a new game type and i personally feel like splice is weaker in eden oddball but they still made it through um, and then on set two, we had Plaza Strongholds, Kali Slayer, Fissure, Oddball, and CTF Refuge. So do you think it was game types that kind of contributed? Because I know Fissure, Oddball, CTF Refuge are new maps and new game types, and Splice loves to talk about how they don't practice on these new ones. So I, I wonder if that was part of it. 
Yeah, I I think that's maybe a bit of a reach in my opinion. I see Rig Strongholds as one of Tox's <laughs> best game types, and that was in set one, like you said, the first best of seven, and and they yeah. lost it. I think mm-hmm. it was maybe maybe a bit of a reach. The rest of those game types, maybe for sure, but I know Rig Strongholds is one of the better decision making game types for Tox. So surprised mm-hmm. they lost that one, but uh, you're right in saying the the Truth Flag, you know, Rig Slayer. Those those are both, in my opinion, splice game types. So. Uh, yeah, uh, game times a hundred percent play a factor, but I feel like it was more Tox realizing that they had lost that best first best of seven four zero, and they realized mm-hmm. you know they have a second bite of the cherry, so to speak. I'm not sure game types played that much of a role in it. Yeah, I don't know. They, they definitely picked up the confidence, and I, I think one of the biggest things about Tox is they just have such an amazing shot. Like, as, if it's a speed battle, I feel like Splice has the advantage, but Tox is so good at adapting and having an amazing shot. There was this one instance, and I talked about it in my last video, and it was actually in this in a like a game that they lost. It was Truth Flag, but um, they had three players in red base. They had all their team committed in, in red base. They had no shell, no control over the maps. So they didn't have a good opportunity to run the flag. And what they did instead was so smart. They decided to create a dilemma by tossing the flag out bottom mid and prior prioritizing slays and kind of turtling in the base for a bit until they had the slays that they needed to start to run the flag. So I feel like that's kind of where Tox is, has been, you know, making waves is kind of just making these smart, decisive plays that that prioritize a good shot and patience, basically, that kind of allow yeah, them to make you, it through. You almost feel like in previous events from, from watching Tox that they were trying to play Splice at their own game. Like they were watching yeah. Splice just fly at people and play almost like a Money 2 style format. And it was working because no one really knew how to counter that. Whereas yeah. what made Tox an amazing team was the fact that they are so methodical. You know, they they know what they want to do. They want to, you know, on Coliseum, for example, someone said this on Team Beyond, actually. Uh, they said, you know, they, they play a standard brand of Halo. They get map control and they try and get Royal 2 in that cave position on Coliseum, for example. And mm. they let him go to town, you know. They just feed off of that and then they can kind of be a bit more of a... a methodical kind of game plan style team. So felt like in the build-up to Worlds when... Tox just couldn't get Splice's number. They were almost trying to play Splice at their own game, like they were trying to play too fast. But this event, they just went back to basics. They just had Frosty, you know, on form, which is a, a massive plus to any team. And they were just yeah. playing a little bit more methodical and more planned. Yeah, yeah. It definitely, I think so. Leading up to that last game, and I think the last game, it really was the Frosty game changer. Because especially, and we saw in the end of that top five plays, that last play with the sniper was literally the game saver. Like, we're not the saver, but that was the final flag cap. Like, his teammates yeah. had died, the flag was there, he had a sniper, and he got everybody he needed to get. He even picked up the flag and rallied it, kept it in the field to play. Like, that was insane. So I, I think Frosty yeah. playing at his best is is... Like he's got to be like number one in the world. He's up there with Shotzi, and then the yeah, fact that Tox were able to maintain, he's yeah, he's a total game changer. And then Tox maintaining their confidence throughout and and prioritizing what they're good at, not playing Splice's game. So, I agree, man. I I think that they really pulled it out. Um, now, let's take a look at what happened to EU instead, because <laughs> not to not to immediately laugh. We, well, okay, so we we had a lot of talk coming into this about this being on EU soil. You know, this is it. They're on their home turf. There's no jet lag. There's you know, there's no not that I want to say no excuses, but like this is their biggest opportunity to to make something happen here. And unfortunately, I'd say this was one of their lower you know showings. I I remember the old infused roster with you know Jambo Kimbo and the gang. Like those guys had some high peaks at some points. I think they made it to a top four at one point at least uh, in one of the previous tournaments. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, but in this one they didn't make it in the top eight. Unfortunately, they're not listed on the top eight. Um, what what happened there? Uh, 
Don't want to talk about it. Uh, no. <laughs> Honestly, right now, the European scene is in a strange way. Like, the top yeah. teams, it feels like no one really is the best roster possible right now. There's been some team changes mm. that have gone down because of personality clashes, because of team changes forced or otherwise, and it just doesn't seem like any... It seems like almost every single team could benefit from a, a roster swap. Uh, to talk about Lucid, honestly, to be honest with you, they lost uh, Game 5 uh, to make it to Top 8 against the LATAM team. Um, was and... it Trifecta? Because I know they lost to Trifecta. Uh, no, yeah, was... excuse me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was Trifecta. It was, uh, was Radiant the biggest who lost against the LATAM team, Berserker. Um, they lost it. Berserker is and... the EU Slayer, by the way, because they lost. They beat Lucid last time too, right? So Berserker. And, yeah, out. here's the thing: like people are sleeping on Berserker right now. I was very yeah. skeptical of them after an amazing New Orleans performance, mm. uh, making a team change, you know, getting rid of Bullet, bringing in this this guy Magico. That honestly, I'm gonna be honest. To be honest, like I'm saying honest with you a lot, but like honestly, I had no idea who Magico was coming into this event, yeah. and then he just comes in, plays solid, and they they get that amazing top eight placement. You know, considering. Uh, basically cementing the, that team as a top eight team in the world. And and LATAM is a strong region, to be honest with you. EU has got to step up their game. And yeah, there are a lot of team changes that I personally would make if I was matchmaker in EU right now to to improve some of the rosters. But mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, you know, that that's just my opinion. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. These guys are obviously teaming, each, teaming with each other, you know, for a lot of considerations you know there's pro points to take into consideration there's like chemistry all that kind of thing right. but um just doesn't feel like any of the european teams right now know what the best roster is it feels like they know what it is on paper but not what it is in game they just can't seem to get yeah. it going so i guess what you're saying is individually the talent is there but building the yep. roster that really clicks is the difficulty and unfortunately you know like i said about infuse they had to split up and these roster changes were relatively recent i think so they're still kind of adapting and and you know getting used to everything whereas you have rosters like toxin splice that have now been formed for a very long time and they continue to get more confident in their play so i can only imagine how rough that is on top of the fact they don't get to scrim them regularly so you don't get that yeah. aspect uh, as well. well here's the thing they were they lost by one kill in a game five against trifecta who you know yeah. placed up there as well so yeah different circumstances some minute plays being made in that game five that play out differently you know we see mm. you in the top eight and trifecta is top 12. so mm. uh similarly I, I believe radiant lost their game five against berserker esports as well so again you know different plays happening in that series you know take nothing yeah. away from the two teams that advance you know trifecta and berserker but right. it's just small plays that just seem to come back to bite eu every single time and it was the same with their chance for top four in denver as well they played against liquid and and they they took a game you know they it's not like they rolled over you know 3-0 and liquid were, were a really solid top four team at that event but it just felt like they panicked when a team had a strangle hold on them instead of just giving up a capture they would just try and make individual superstar plays and it feels like certain players in europe right now seem like they're trying to take the game and put it on their shoulders whereas it doesn't seem like any of the top uh, teams do that bar frosty <laughs> in that last game of the the best of seven yeah. and want to win the whole thing that is interesting i i wonder if that has something to do with you know the size of the european scene too it is comparatively smaller so i feel like they they have that that almost that feeling to to be the leaders in the community to really take you know the the, the scene on their shoulders or the, or the team and to make these uh, you know aggressive insane plays to really stand out um 
But, you know, it is unfortunate that it worked out the way it did. But I believe you, man. I, I think that it is that, like, the talent is there. It's just a matter of getting the right roster and, you know, and, and the right kind of environment and practice uh, to make things work, right? Now, I know you were, of course, you're the observer, so you had an opportunity to watch everybody. Are there any, like, particular standouts, players that, that you found that really stood out? I know we were talking about Renegades, and you said that people said Penguin didn't play very well, but you, you know, you thought otherwise. Yeah, Penguin played amazing for Renegades this event, honestly. He was yeah. probably one of the most surprising players to me because in New Orleans, him and Mikwin seemed like the two that I wanted to step up the most for them to push for that top three placing. I mean, I know they finished third there, but felt like if they had gone on, they could have potentially, you know, won against Talks. They could have won against Splice at that tournament and pushed on to the grand finals there. Mm -hmm. uh, I think fourth place is tough for Renegades considering how well um, Penguin yeah, and APG especially played. They were really, really solid. I know people didn't really get to see them a lot on stream, but I have the benefit of seeing all eight POVs, and it, it seemed like yeah. every time I was watching Penguin's point of view, I wanted to switch to his point of view, and every time I did, he like died straight away. So I always had like the, yeah. the Curse of the Observer going on. But he was playing really solid Halo, play, putting a lot of damage down, was finishing kills, getting really key double kills in maps like Truth, which is you know not an easy map to get double kills on. It's it's yeah. requires a lot of listening. It requires a lot of your teammates calling out to you and putting damage down. So uh, Penguin played really well. And in terms of who disappointed uh, on Renegades, I would say Neptune. Um, I know we spoke about it a little bit before we came on air, yeah. but I feel like if Neptune plays yeah. the way that he did in New Orleans and events previous. Renegades, you know, maybe they they push on. Maybe they make that losers bracket run. I know they were only two kills away in a game five yeah. from being in that winners bracket final against Tox, and I was the only caster to predict Renegades to win that series. So you can imagine how cheesed <laughs> off I was about that result. Um, yeah, yeah, it was close, man. You got close. Yeah. I was so close, and after that, I just have to keep going for hail marys and hail marys, and none of them yeah. are coming off. You got to be that one guy who um, stands out, dude. <laughs> Exactly, fine, whatever. Man. Like, even if I'm wrong, I remember who I am. One, uh, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of who else impressed. To be honest with you, obviously Frosty. I, I think Royal Two played very well this event as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very used Did to him that, playing that kind of slower. Sorry, well, I'm really off the there, but... Okay, yeah, because I I watched it and I thought it was just you know Halo. Uh, what was it Bullet Mag being kind of weird? Because it looked like he hit Stellar, but it missed Stellar. If only I had some sort of a link that we could post to the viewers in the chat. You guys might know what I'm yeah. talking about. Uh, but it, it went past Stellar, bounced off a wall somewhere through Ring Two, and it killed Eco like somewhere in some other end of the map. And I you might have been able to actually capture that uh, on the back end. I, what happened there? And that looked I, that looked like a robot shot. That was insane. That shot. That he honestly, did. I I didn't even know that that had happened until people yeah. had told me afterwards. I saw. Mm -hmm. I remember the shot. And I was like, how did he hit that? And then yeah. obviously someone told me afterwards that he bounced off like five different walls. And I was just like, oh, okay, yeah. That's just <laughs> I doing would doing love to see things. what that was. Yeah, <laughs> doing royal two uh, things. Yeah, yeah, he was playing really well this event though. So used to seeing royal two play a little bit slower than the rest of his team. I'm not, you know, some yeah. people say that he baits the rest of talks. I don't think that's the case. I just think he's just one of those slower type players. He's never going to be the first one in. But I saw that a lot this yeah. event. He was almost trying to uh, be the catalyst for Tox Gaming, and obviously it worked out because it seemed to release Frosty to to play really well, mm. but. Royal 2 is making some clutch kills as well. Uh, Snipe Down played really well on Reciprocity. I uh, was disappointed yeah. what I saw out of Trippy. Because um, oh, in yeah. New Orleans, he was one of the players that I tipped to have an amazing London. And 
come to London. He just wasn't stepping up as much as he was in New Orleans. So it's, it's really weird how mm. some players were having some amazing kind of turns of form in New Orleans, like Eco and Stella, and then they come to London and yeah. it's like they just they look like different players. You know, it's it's a, definitely a weird one. Yeah, no, there were some great plays from the reciprocity squad. I don't know too much about Trippy's plays. Like I saw him do some good stuff with the sniper and like followed up with a quick draw. Uh, he didn't stand out to me as much as Saiyan stood out in some moments though too. Like Saiyan, there was one big play on uh, Eden was saying where he had the sniper and the, the casters thought it was Pistola. I'm not sure if there was a bit of a mix up there. And also, also what happened with the face cams, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a sec, but um, he had the sniper and he ran outside blue on Eden and he managed to get like almost outside the map. You know, you can kind of hide outside the rail and he stayed alive yeah. for so long, still landing kills and rallying the sniper over. It was like crazy to watch. He was just tiptoeing on the side of the rail there, but yeah, some great plays from him as well. And and yeah, like I was saying, what what happened with the uh, the face cams? I want to connect with my players. I couldn't I couldn't see that. <laughs> I won't lie, I definitely missed the face cams too. Uh, if I remember correctly, I I wasn't told why not at the event because I mm. I didn't ask. I was just there to you know press buttons. But I think Onset said on the Beyond, Beyond forums there was a, a tech limitation as to why they didn't mm. have face cams. Um, so hopefully we'll see that back in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, I think the event was super well run. Uh, I love the little, the you know, the little additions they added in as well. Uh, Shoutouts to Onset who did a post tournament match analysis. I wonder where he got that from. Not to not to throw. He did a great job though. He did a really good analysis too. Um, but the the hot ones, what, the uh, the little thing with the the hot wings <laughs> that they ate with Bravo and Strongside, yeah. that was kind of fun too. They're you know they're Dude, trying. Chief Figures did an amazing job were, uh, with all the content while they were recording that uh, piece. Strong yeah. side, I I swear you guys don't see it on the feature, but his leg was bouncing up and down while after he had that hot sauce. He was having a really? real problem. Bravo was like, Yeah, I want some more chicken. But strong side <laughs> afterwards looked like he was having an existential crisis. Like that oh, man. looked like he, he wanted his mummy, to be honest with you. Uh, he was he <laughs> downed, like a chicken just... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, other than not other than that, but in overall, Gfinity did a really great job just adding a lot of interesting content in between to kind of keep things going. Uh, and it was exciting, man. I love seeing that. I love seeing the gameplay analysis too. So I hope we get to see more of that in the near future. Uh, speaking about the future, let's look forward a little bit because we got more big things coming up as far as HCS goes, as far as classic Halo goes as well. We've got HCS Atlanta. And one of the biggest talking points about this is the 2v2, the UGC 2v2, by the way, guys, we're running on the UGC channel right now i love how you threw it up at the perfect time oh, here yeah. we go we got a 2v2 10k prize pool tournament for halo 3 we're going back to 2008 bring out your snipe down your straight ripping we're gonna you know make this work it sounds awesome man what do you think about that oh it's amazing i will always forever be an advocate of classic halo my uh <laughs> i always bring it up anytime possible but my highest european placing back when i used to compete was on halo 3 it was uh during the halo 4 era and most of the good players had retired by then but we went back to halo 3 for a throwback event and i came yeah. third i came top three i think with jimbo and I, I will tell anyone who will listen about that result yeah. but uh guys yeah 2v2s <clears throat> are, are an interesting one i never personally saw halo 3 as as kind of a game type where 2v2s really shined um but it's going to be interesting to see what kind of maps they choose because i know maps like construct there's it's a pretty big map vertically and mm. from that there's a lot of hiding places which might lead to a lot of stale gameplay broadcast wise but obviously then you have maps like narrows if you incorporate flag could be quite interesting so my 
initial thoughts are what the settings are going to be and how they're going to incorporate that um, in terms right, of tournament right. gameplay. But Halo 3 is a classic game. We all love it. You know, that's you know yeah. what really sparked my love of competitive Halo yeah. is competing in Halo 3 and also watching the old MLG Halo 3 days, you know, from 2008 through to 2010, 2011, that kind of era. Uh, yeah. That's what drove me to compete myself. So always happy for Halo 3 to come back. Honestly, man, whatever gets a huge, passionate community of Halo fans together, all celebrating the same thing, that's that's all I want to see, man. If it's Halo 3 that's got to do it, it's Halo 3 that's got to do it, but I'm also a Halo 5 fan, as you guys know. But um, but you weren't kidding about being good at Halo 3, guys. This is no lie. Wonderboy knows his stuff. And okay, this isn't a, the, the best example, let's say, but EGLX, we had the, the throwback gameplay, and you had to run <laughs> Halo 3 throwback maps in Halo 5, and you were killing it. You were destroying Walshie. You were, you know, taking out the whole, the whole team that we've put Destroying Walshie's easy, man. Uh, literally anyone could destroy Walshy, but we're, we're yeah. talking about Snipe now. We're talking about current Shots. pros like Outtown, Spartan. Yeah, they were on there you know, too. You're, you're doing a great job, man. Yeah, hmm. they were they were doing yeah. okay. Their shots were okay, but uh, mine's about yeah. you know back on the throwback oh, Okay, stuff. maybe we'll see. <laughs> maybe we'll see. Out we got game, two coming up. And I'm the best player in the game. Ah, okay, all right, fair enough. Um, now, what you, what you were also saying though about two v twos is kind of interesting. Is yeah, I I feel like four v four is better for Halo Three than. Than 2v2. I don't remember so much about 2v2. I did go back and I watched uh, T Squared's Fragging Like a Pro uh, analysis video, one of them that he had on the, uh, the 2v2 gameplay, and it was on Guardian. And it was basically just controlling the same area of the map, that one area with the overshield and the sniper, and just holding that with, with all the power weapons and just, you know, assaulting them as they try to push up on you. And it, it, it's cool, but I don't know if that would be as dynamic and interesting as like 4v4, where there's a lot more action, a lot, of, a lot more different things, you know, happening as opposed to just controlling that one location. So uh, yeah, like flag adding the flag objective. I think that'll make things exciting if they do that. So I think uh, I I understand the DreamHack Atlanta situation where you have a Halo Five tournament already out there. The HGS wants to try and get as many people in, involved as possible and try mm -hmm. and make use of as many stations as possible. How do you mm -hmm. do that? Well, you take four v four tournament, you cut it in half. <laughs> you, you've already got two two players per team, which means you could you can allocate twice as many stations um yeah, yeah. and you know there's just the barrier to participation is reduced just that little bit so instead of finding three friends yeah. you just got to find one and then you just turn up and play Makes um sense. i do like the idea to run halo 3 2v2s as an kind of putting your toe in the water in terms of what to do for later seasons you know mm -hmm. they're going to be keeping an eye on how the stream numbers perform when halo 3 is on stream and you know yeah. how generally it is perceived because if those numbers go up you know if those uh streams you know gets more eyes on the stream when halo 3 is on well guess what that's going to attract more sponsors because more eyes right. means more sponsors are going to want to be involved and that's ultimately what the hcs wants to do um, yeah. So if the 2v2 tournament turns out profitable in terms of stream numbers, then, you know, we're more than likely going to see Halo 3 next season. I mean, I don't work for the HCS, full disclosure. I, I yeah, you yeah. know, just I, I come in as a freelancer and I press buttons and I give you guys the points of view. But, you know, that's mm -hmm. my point of view. I personally feel like if Halo 3 does well in Atlanta, then, then who knows what we'll see next season. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's not unheard of, the idea of having a game that did come out in 2007 
uh, and still be prominent today. I mean, I'm a huge Super Smash Brothers Melee fan, and it came out in 2001, and it's still killing it today, right? So it is possible. I'm curious to see how it goes. I, you know, I'm open to it, but I am a little worried about how things are going to be balanced out. Because, like, sure, it's nice to have a good audience for Halo 3, but I also like Halo 5, and I don't want that to just die the day that Halo 3 comes back. So how do you run so, both of these communities at the same time and, and have people, you know, support both sides and, and create something that's you know that that's empowering so here's the problem that we we have to remember as well for halo 3 is that it doesn't have a spectator mode in mcc and um sure live events is is going to be fine broadcasting them if it's a 4v4 tournament and and tournament format excuse me and that's um you know if that's going to be your flagship title that's all well and good but guess what without a spectator mode you can't run stuff like online broadcasts online online cups you can't broadcast your your esport unless it's in a live event environment so that's yeah. just one caveat to try and remember if 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 the community were to go back to halo 3 i'd love it and all but to be honest with you i'd i'd be out of a job like i would just i wouldn't be able to you know cast any of the online halo stuff i wouldn't be able to watch yeah. online halo unless pros were streaming it so uh yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely pros and cons to weigh up if it you know <clears throat> comes to going back to a different game, and that goes for any any game as well. You know, whether it be Halo yeah. Three, whether it be Halo Two Anniversary, any of the games in the Halo Master Chief Collection, none of them have spectator mm-hmm. modes. So, that's, ah, rough. Uh, yeah. That's a big problem. So that is a limitation. I, of course, at the big events, you can get the observer mode gig thing going on. But other than that, it might be hard to run, like you said, the online stuff. Um, H2A, yeah, H2A, honestly, I thought was really great, too. Just the limitation was the maps. Like, imagine if we had a full yeah. roster of maps for H2A. I honestly think that that could have you know, gone on longer than it did. But um, but there are a lot of great Halo games here. So it's, it's kind of tough to figure out what works. But hopefully they figure out something that holds us over for Halo Infinite. Because, uh, you know, that's the big thing we're all waiting for, of course. Um, and I think we pretty much wrapped up everything I wanted to cover. But the biggest thing is, is how do we get you casting? What, what do we do? How do we get Wonderboy casting, guys? Because I want Wonderboy casting. I want to be casting with you. I think I feel like we're both kind of in a similar position where we're trying to, you know, to get bigger roles in this community. I feel like you're so talented and you deserve that. And so many people agree with that we just got to figure out how to you know create the link to get you in there <laughs> listen man i i i appreciate the support and stuff but i want shyway casting like you know i'm working um, on it yeah. <laughs> i i miss casting i'm not gonna lie to you if i had a choice i would cast uh <laughs> but i was telling this to people after the gfinity event um i miss casting but as long as halo looks good on the grand scheme of things as, as long as you know i I'm able to provide with the cool observer stuff that we're doing yeah. a better show for for Halo audiences worldwide. I'm happy to sacrifice my own ego, you know, for that for that to happen. You know, all I want is for Halo to succeed and look good on the grand scheme of things. If I get to fly around the world pressing buttons and watching all eight POVs and having the best best seat in the house, you know, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, as long as you're doing your love, man. Because I I thought like you know, in the end of the day, it's it's not. Like, not that I want to bring ego into it, but it's it's just to be able to do what you love to do, man, to cast Halo that you love to play and, you know, to be there and, and be surrounded by the energy of it all. So I, I think that that's the ultimate objective. But yeah, even if you're just pressing the buttons, you're still you're still there. I, I just think that we got to see more of you, man. Maybe maybe not casting specifically. And that's why I had brought up this idea of analyzing gameplay because it kind of fits itself in as content, you know, in between as opposed to trying to interrupt like the, the casting schedule that they have. So maybe there's some way that you can be included in other types of content content or we can run some other types of things uh to to allow everybody to have you, you know a spot to shine and and to keep the, the event exciting throughout man we'll see yeah i think i struggled this season to be honest with you uh, because there wasn't any 2ks broadcasted for um 
EU Halo. All the 2Ks that are broadcast right, are broadcast right. from the, the MLG studios in New York. And they're just for the North American 2Ks. And the, right. the, the season before uh, and every season before, like, this season was my first season not casting any online Halo. And it wasn't until, you know, the NA 2Ks started and I was watching the broadcast with, uh, with Elamite and Golden Boy. And I was like, wait a second, there's something missing from my life. Like, I haven't casted Halo in, like... The last series I casted was in Columbus, and that was back in March. Um, yeah. So that's we're talking like six months ago now. Uh, I miss it a lot. Um, given the opportunity, I would love to cast again, but it's like I said before, you know, uh, you know, getting you up there first. I think it's my main priority because you know, observing getting is me the best in the house. Yeah, for yeah. sure, man. We need you next to the big screen. I don't know how to get. I don't know how to get analysis Atlanta. and stuff. Yeah, huh? yeah. I, whatever I'm doing, even if I'm coming to Atlanta just to watch Atlanta, I feel like I need to be there. Like, I, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I don't know if Atlanta's the last Halo 5 event. Like, I'm, I hope there's more big events, but like, we're getting to the end of the cycle here. I don't know how much time I have left to actually do something. So I, I really don't, even if I'm just watching, man, I'll, I'll see what I can I can do. And I, I hope to see you there as well, man. I hope to see you more and more prominent and, and I hope to see Halo getting bigger and stronger so that we have more opportunities and more, you know, ways for everybody to shine in the spotlight here. But on Honestly, man, I think I've covered everything I wanted to. It was amazing talking to you. Do you have any like big shout outs or anybody you want to shout out for uh, the end of the stream here? Uh, shout out to my guy, Shyway. He does some amazing <laughs> gameplay analysis. Uh, check out his Twitter, add the Shyway, 100%. You got to do that. Uh, thanks yeah. to UGC for having me on board. Hashtag free Definitely. T2, by the way. You can go to the UGC store and get this. This is such a comfortable shirt and it looks amazing too. Free T2, um, guys. Yeah. There you go, UGC. I got you guys a plug. Aren't you guys happy that I came, <laughs> came on this show? Yeah. Uh, thanks to Gfinity for running such an amazing event uh, the past yeah. weekend. They did amazing with the content. Uh, thanks to Tashi and HGS for constantly having me on board. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can continue that working relationship we have. And outside of that, you know, uh, thanks for having me, uh, having me here. I'm just, you know, happy to talk about Halo anytime. Yeah, man. Anytime. Awesome to have you. Thank you so much for coming by. And I guess that wraps up things for today. <clears throat> Thank you guys for joining HCS Weekly. As you already know, this is our weekly update on everything happening in the HCS. You guys got your fill today. We'll be back next week, and it'll be T-squared. Like I said, slightly more handsome. This guy, I'm sure he'll carry it over and, and make it work. But I'd be happy to come back, guys, if you need me. I'll be around. We'll do some more interviews. We'll talk about Halo Infinite, about anything Halo. I'm always around. I'll be breaking down gameplay, keeping things hot. I'll see you guys around. Have a good night.